We're going to continue sermon number two in the book of John. And so why don't we begin, and I'll just pray. Dear Father, as we go into the sermon, I pray your will would be done. And we want to just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, the book of John is establishing that Jesus is God. The author says, I've written this book so that you might believe in Jesus Christ. And throughout the book, there are signs that point to the divinity of Jesus. And we see the first sign in chapter 2, and we're going to dive into the story of Jesus turning water into wine. And it's Kind of ironic that this is the first sign and the first real story about Jesus performing a miracle in the Gospel of John because we said and we read last week that in the first chapter, it starts with this impersonal logos, this force, the creator of the heavens and the earth became personal in the skin of a human Jesus Christ. And to establish that Jesus is God, that Jesus isn't just a teacher, Jesus isn't just a philosopher, but that Jesus is God, the name above all names, the king above all kings, that Jesus is all-powerful and always with us to establish this all-powerful divinity dwelling in our midst. The first story is about Jesus at a wedding party turning water into wine. In a situation that is not life or death, does not really shape the whole destiny of a region or a nation, doesn't really involve a lot of military leaders or strongholds. It's a secret, private miracle that happens at a wedding. And I love what this gives us an insight into how Jesus operates in our lives. So why don't we turn to John 2, and we'll read the scripture. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cain of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and the disciples believed in him. The title of my message today is, Do Whatever He Tells You. You know, when I'm in charge of a party, if I'm hosting a party, I love to make sure there's an abundance of food and drink. I always buy too much stuff, anybody with me. We cannot run out. My garage right now is filled with LaCroix, <laughs> which I, I never drank LaCroix before I moved to Seattle. I mean, I have a hard time buying into a drink that translated means the cross, which is not a place of comfort and joy for most people. It's a place of sacrifice and 
gruesome torture, but we drink it willingly in Seattle. And so if you don't know what LaCroix is, just imagine that you ate two apples and burped into a water bottle and sealed it. That is LaCroix. <laughs> Any LaCroix lovers in the house? <laughs> Any LaCroix haters in the house? You're like, I, I don't get it. I don't get the hype. <laughs> you know, my, my sister turned 40 this last July, and uh, we were in Minnesota throwing her a 40th birthday party, and my, my dad stepped up. He said, hey, don't plan your own party. Dad's going to take care of it. And so if you know my dad, that is a scary, scary thought. We show up to the party in Minnesota, and uh, he bought a lot of food. He bought about 30 pounds of meat made by this Jamaican friend of his who specializes in his own hot sauce that is very hot. And, uh, and so it was July in Minnesota. It's like 100 degrees. We're all sweating. It's outdoors. And we're excited for some refreshments and a nice meal. And my sister's like, hey, thanks, Daddy, for getting all this taken care of. Hey, where are the drinks and the silverware? Where are the sides? People are here ready to eat. And my sister, she, she runs in a lot of fancy circles. She's worked in Hollywood and uh, with the people who made The Fast and the Furious. She's created YouTube channels and has directed studios. And so she's got a nice client list at this party, people from pretty cool uh, sectors of society ready to party. Well, my dad reveals to us, uh, you know what? I didn't buy any drinks. I didn't buy any plates or napkins or silverware. I, I did not get any drinks. I think I got a bottle of vodka and a van around the corner. Feel free. Uh, I, but I did buy about 30 pounds of barbecue that's extremely hot in this hot weather. And it's spicy hot. My sister's like, this is the worst party ever. I should have planned my own birthday party. And it was pretty tough. You don't want to be at a party when you don't have enough food you don't have enough drink. It can be a pretty big crisis, especially when it comes to a wedding. And this is the context of John 2. There is a wedding happening here, and the wine has run out. And what do you do when you're in a situation like this? This is exactly what's happening in chapter 2. Jesus and his disciples are invited to a wedding. And it, in this time of history, Jesus really only has about six disciples. They show up. Jesus' mom comes up to him and is like, hey, son, they ran out of wedding. Jesus is like, hey, I'm just trying to get my wedding on. What are you doing? I actually got invited to a wedding. Like, what does this have to do with me? And then his mom just says, hey, servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And in this context, in this culture, running out of wedding wine is a big deal. The groom was responsible for taking care of the wedding supplies, making sure there's enough to eat. And in an honor and shame culture in this time of Israel, it was running out of wine is like saying this marriage is uh, cursed. This is a bad omen for the rest of the marriage. And, it, and in some areas, you could actually sue the, the groom if they ran out of wine. And so uh, how many of you guys would like to bring back that law? <laughs> and so they're thinking, wow, in an honor and shame culture, this is a bad sign. We cannot run out of wine. This is a, a bad thing for the whole family. And this is supposed to be a happy time, overflowing with abundant wine, overflowing with joy and happiness, a celebration. And here we are 
running out of the thing that is supposed to bring us joy. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think we have all reached moments in our lives where we're supposed to be happy, but we're saying to ourselves, I have nothing left to give. I know I just, there are guests here, there are people in my life, I'm supposed to be bringing them wine, I'm supposed to make the people around me filled with joy and happiness, but as I am right now, I have nothing left to give, my wine is running out, I am empty on the inside, and at a wedding reception, you depend on wine for that joy, and we often run out of the things that we are depending on. You know, that, that job that was supposed to bring us joy, the promotion that was supposed to bring us joy, that extra finance that was supposed to bring us joy. Hey, I, I've started going to this church, and I, I thought this church would fill me up, but I still feel empty. I, I am not finding joy. These people were supposed to be my friends, my community. This relationship is not bringing me the joy. Hey, I'm going to have a kid, and uh, having a newborn daughter isn't filled with the joy you might imagine. <laughs> At all moments. Or, hey, if I just check out all these restaurants or this new coffee shop, or if I, if I go on this adventure, then I'll have this joy. If I, if I buy a house, then I'll have all this joy. Or if I, if I give into this addiction, I will have this joy. And, and some of us, we find that I have nothing left to give. I'm empty. The wine is running out. I'm not happy like I'm supposed to be in this scenario. And in this time in my life, the wine is running out. And I'm reminded by this quote that uh, Bilbo Bagan says in the Lord of the Rings to Gandalf, any Lord of the Rings fans here this morning, and uh, Bilbo Bagans, as he's saying he wants to go on a long vacation and he's tempted with the ring of, you know, power, he, he says to Gandalf, I am old, Gandalf. I don't look it, but I'm beginning to feel it in my heart of hearts. Well preserved indeed. Why, I... I feel all thin, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean. Like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. That can't be right. I need a change or something. <laughs> I'm not very good at accents. If I do an accent long enough, I'll turn into Mario from Super Mario Brothers. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end that there. I'm going to end that there. But I like this phrase, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. Have you ever felt that? I just, with everything going on in my life, I just have no more to give. I'm, I'm empty. The wine is running out. And so what do you do when the thing you're looking to bring you joy run, runs out? What do you do when you're empty? And so I want us to look at this scripture and follow the example of Mary and how she approached Jesus at this wedding. And so she did three things I want to challenge us with today is number one, when she was running out of wine, she, she admitted it. Number two, she submitted to what Jesus said. And three, she committed to the plan and walk, walked it out. And I, I believe that as we walk through this, it will be an encouragement Maybe some guidance for us when the wine is run, running out. So number one, she admitted. It says, when the, the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And so we have to, in our lives, we have to admit when we're running out of wine. We have to admit when we're empty. We don't have to just smile and push through 
and pretend like everything is okay. We can admit to ourselves and our community, our church, and we can admit to Jesus, hey, things aren't good. Things are running out. My joy isn't where I, th- I think it could be. I'm not experiencing happiness. Sometimes in our faith, we think like, hey, happiness isn't something we should pursue. But happiness is part of the Christian experience. The word blessed can actually be translated as happy. You don't have to feel guilty for wanting happiness in your life. You don't have to feel guilty for wanting joy. And when you're running out and scraping by, I think it's okay for us to admit to Jesus things aren't as we think they could be. Why? Because I want to encourage you with this. Because God hears small prayers. God hears small prayers. In this wedding miracle, we're not approached in a scenario that's life or death. In fact, the groom and the bride did not even know there was an emergency. The master of the banquet didn't even know that they were running out of wine. This was a secret, private miracle. A small whisper that Mary said to Jesus, hey, I don't want to embarrass them, but they're running out of wine. She was advocating on behalf of a couple that was facing embarrassment, embarrassment that they didn't even know about. Some of us think, oh, I have to save my prayers for the big issues of life, moments when I'm dying. I can't pray about running out of a beverage. I can't pray about a social situation that might embarrass me. Well, I want to let you know that God hears small prayers. And in every area of our lives, we can admit when we're facing insufficiencies. We can talk to God when we're facing embarrassment. We can talk to God with the little things in our lives. Why? Because God hears small prayers. And why? Because Jesus loves you that much. Jesus cares about the things that you care about. I mean, the love that Jesus has shown us and continues to show us, it's amazing. It's abundant. It's rich. Jesus knows the intimate details of your life. He knows the realities of your schedule. He knows the things that are heavy on your heart, and he cares about it. Jesus' love for you is stretching so wide. It's wrapping you up. It's covering you. He cares about you. That's our Jesus. He cares about a wedding back then. He cares about whatever you're dealing with right now. You know, my, my son, we've been working with him to develop his voice. And my, my prayers have been, let my son speak, Lord. As you know, he's regressed in language and has been dealing with the symptoms and realities of autism. And so I pray, Lord, help my son. And I, I don't hesitantly approach the Lord because I know he cares about what I care about. I know I can lay down all the burdens of my heart before him. And I, I pray those same prayers every single day. Lord, would you heal my son? Lord, would you help my son? Would you give my son a bright future? Would you help him be the the head and not the tail? Would you help him to be a a lender and not a borrower? Would you help him be above and not beneath? Lord, would you bless my child? Take care of him. And as my my son uh, develops and as I believe the Lord answers my prayer, my son Obadiah is beginning to have a voice. And the same way I'm requesting the Lord to do some things for me and help me in my scenarios 
I believe that my son is catching on to that reality, and he's starting to make requests with me. And so I've been praying for my son to have a voice, and now he's using words, and he's asking me for crackers 24-7. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I've been praying, Lord, give my voice, and my son's like, give me some applesauce, Dad. I'm like, oh, man, do I want this prayer answered anymore? <laughs> Every, I mean, I don't know, every 15 minutes in our house, I hear my wife, Amrita, saying, hey, the, the kitchen is closed, Obadiah. He is a hungry boy. And so, I, but you know what? Every time he asks me, and he, he literally just puts his arms up near the crackers or near me, and he just goes, help. <laughs> help. <laughs> or cracker. Cracker. He grabs my hand, and he brings me to the Apple. Apple. And if we say no, I'm not making this up, he'll go, oh, God, no, God. No, God, no. I'm like, don't take the name, Lord's name in vain. He's like, oh, God. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> He's praying. <laughs> and you know what? I, I actually don't have that much of a bad attitude when I hear his voice because I'm so thankful that my son is interacting yeah. with me. Yeah. And honestly, there isn't a request small enough for me not to want to open up everything I have for my son. You know, Jesus loves you and us way more than I'll ever love my son. And God hears small prayers because they're not small to him. He loves you. He knows what's on your heart. And I, I love that, that, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, felt confident enough to say, Hey, to Jesus, hey, I know it's not your time. I know, I know it's not your hour. I know you're not, like, really wanting to unveil your glory. But, hey, my friends here, they're running out of wine. Will you take care of it? And, and Jesus does. He turns that water into wine. And the first reality we, we see here is that, that Mary, she, she admitted, I'm running out, and she went to Jesus to help. And my prayer is that today we would all do that. The second thing she does is she submitted. It says in verse 5, his, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I, I love this phrase, do whatever he tells you. She, she made a request, and that's pretty much the, the end of her in the story. I imagine her just walking away. She goes to Jesus saying, hey, this is what I want, but then she leaves with a heart posture saying, do whatever Jesus says. You know, a lot of times we start off our faith with prayer being primarily about convincing God to do something for us. But as we mature in our faith, our prayer life starts to form and mature into, God, what would you have me do? And there's a, there's a posture change in our heart. Instead of trying to convince and manipulate God, God, help me in this. God, do this for me. Hey, God, tell them to do this. Eventually, there starts to become a, a, a trust in our heart where we say, Lord, my life is open to you. My heart is open to you. I trust you. Do whatever you want in my life. And so she says, do whatever he tells you. Why? I believe it's this reality. Because following God is better than leading God. Following God is way better than leading God. I know my leadership. I know the bad decisions I make. I'd rather follow God than have God follow me. Amen. But when we're in the heat of a moment, we're like, God, do things my way. Yeah. 
God, do what I want. God, I'm mad at you because you did not obey my prayer orders. Do what I want. But I'd rather follow the all-loving, all-wise, all-powerful God than have him follow me. And a lot of us are empty, but we're unwilling to follow the direction and leader of the God who can bring us into the richness of an overflowing and abundant life. You know, a lot of us would say, hey, I, I call myself a Christian, but there are parts of my heart and my life that I will not hand over to God. You know, I, I love the Bible. I, lo I love Jesus. But you know what? My sexuality, that's just between me and whatever I want. I know the Bible says certain things about sexuality and, and life and purity, but we're like, ah, you know what? <sighs> purity, that's outdated. You know, I, I'm going to live my own way. I'm gonna, you know, Jesus, he, he has these scenarios, and he says, hey, go and sin no more. And, and he says, this is what justice looks like. And, hey, this is what it looks like to love your neighbor. And this is what it looks like to walk across to the other side of the street when someone in your midst is suffering. But we say, you know what, Jesus, I, I love you, but I, I'm just too busy to do what you say. Jesus, I, I love you, but my, my identity is wrapped in this, so you can have this part of my heart, but not this part of my heart. Hey, Jesus, I'll, I'll follow you with all of my, my, my mind, my soul, my strength, but my, my finances, you know what? I, I would give and follow what the scriptures say, but I'm strapped for cash right now. And this issue of trust and submission is kind of taboo in the church. We just want Jesus to bless what we're doing instead of doing what he's blessing. And that's our faith. But I love that Mary, she goes into this conversation saying, this is my need, but she leaves saying, let's do whatever he says. Are there parts of your life that you're unwilling to give to Jesus? Are there parts of your life where you're trying to conform the Bible to your lifestyle rather than the other way around? I just want to let you know, that is not a way of having life abundantly. You know, as a, as a pastor, I, I just got to be honest, one of the most painful parts of ministry is watching people self-destruct because they think they know how to lead themselves better than Jesus does. And time and time again, we just have to say, hey, I'm not going to live your life for you. Jesus loves you no matter what. But you're, you're digging a pit for yourself that maybe next week, maybe in a month, maybe in a year from now, you're going to fall into it and say, I wish I would have followed the ways of Jesus. Because following God is better than leading God. Have you submitted your whole heart and life to God? Are you willing to follow God no matter what? Would you rather have God follow you or the other way around? Mary submitted to Jesus. And I think we should do the same you know, there's this, there's this grocery store. Uh, it's by our house, and they have, like, I don't know if it's expired food or what, but it's marked down really cheap. It's like an outlet for food. And uh, you, you can't go in there with an agenda. If you go in there looking for a specific type of Doritos, like chili Doritos, sweet, sweet chili Doritos, you're probably not going to find it. If you're looking for a specific brand of mango or like a specific normal cereal brand, in my experience, you're not going to go and find it. You can't go in there with an agenda and walk out happy. 
But if you go into this grocery store and you say, whatever I find, I'm going to buy. <laughs> grocery outlet or whatever you call let your will be done. I have an open heart. I have an open mind. My hands are open. I don't have an agenda. Oh, look at this. Five-month-old banana. <laughs> totally mine. I got a great deal on this. <laughs> tracks cereal with the weird-looking bun. Isn't this supposed to be tricks? Nope. These are tracks. <laughs> I will eat this. I will eat this. Yes. <laughs> and it's when you have an open heart that that grocery store is a place I love. Anybody with me? I love. I, what will the Lord provide today? <laughs> What will the Lord provide? But when I go in there looking for something specific, it's a nightmare. You know, Christianity is the same way. If you go into following Jesus thinking he's just to accomplish your agenda and your will, you're not going to like Christianity very much. But if you follow Jesus and you say, hey, I will do whatever you say. I trust you. I lay down my life. You'll find a rich, abundant, overflowing life of joy. Amen. And so she submitted to Jesus. And the third thing I see that she did is she, she committed to very, very strange instructions. She committed these servants to following very, very strange instructions. In verse 6, it says, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They they did so. And, you know, when you ask for wine, like I think many of us are asking for spiritually in our lives, maybe some literally, uh, when you ask for wine, sometimes Jesus gives you water. Sometimes he gives you something very ordinary and plain, something you've already had access to all along. You're like, Jesus, if I would have wanted water, I would have asked for water. We have water. But sometimes when we're asking for a miracle, uh, Jesus asks us to start with ordinary obedience. Miracles often start with ordinary obedience. We ask for overflowing joy. We ask for life and life abundantly. We, we're finally waiting for Christianity to kick in. You know, the preacher said, hey, raise your hand, pray this prayer, and life was going to be good. You're going to be happy. And we're like, hey, this just looks like water right now. Like, when, when does the good stuff start? When, when does it happen? When is my marriage finally saved? When do I finally feel like the perfect parent? When do I find my purpose and my identity? When does this stuff kick in? Have you ever felt like that? You're like, Jesus, I've asked for wine and joy, but now all I have is a lot of water. And these instructions would have been pretty strange, you know. It says nearby stood six stone water jars, and this was used for ceremonial washing which was a, a Jewish form of baptism. These were huge tanks. So we're talking about 150 to 180 gallons of water. That's a lot of water. And so these servants are just, you know, making this, 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 this baptism tank filled with water. And I wonder if they're like, why are we doing this? Like, this is taking so long. Why? I mean, all right, we'll just fill it up. Are there going to be baptisms? I know we're running out of wine. Why I'm doing this? And I don't know. You might be in a situation where you're like, hey, I've just, I've been attending church 
Why am I doing this? I'm, I've been serving. Why am I doing this? You know, I'm just part of a small group or I've been giving my money or I'm praying and it's dry. I'm reading the Bible. Where's the overflowing joy? Or I've been, I've been trying to be the best dad I can be. I've been trying to be the best mother I can. I'm changing these diapers or I'm going through my classes. Like, when does this kick in? And, you know, this traditional vessel, though, was just a vessel filled with regular water, though. But as they went through the process, as they committed to saying, Lord, I will follow your will, somewhere in the midst of that ordinary work, Jesus turned water into wine. And a miracle began. And I'm amazed that this miracle was private. The groom, the the bride, the guests, Even the master of the ceremony didn't even know there was a miracle happening with ordinary circumstances. And I just believe that as we admit and submit and we commit to following the Lord's way, the ordinary ceremonial parts of our life, as we allow Jesus to touch them, I believe that God will provide a miracle for us. There are parts of our life that are like, gas on the fire, and it's a miracle, it's explosive, it's amazing, but there are also parts of our life that are like throwing logs on the fire of our soul, where the fire doesn't burn and erupt right away, but it's how we sustain a life-giving reality. As that wood catches, it begins to get bigger and emit more heat, and I think that might be the reality for us, because Jesus touches this, and we find that in our ordinary obedience, somewhere along the road of following Jesus, we find out that Jesus can make wine in no time. Jesus can make wine, and we find that here is a picture of the kingdom of God, that as Jesus touches this 150 gallons of water and it becomes wine, and then the master of the ceremonies, he tasted it, and he says, hey, everybody waits till the guests are drunk, and then brings out the best wine when people won't notice. But we find that, Jesus, you saved the best until now. You saved the best until last. And I just want to encourage you in your obedience As you're following God, as you're trusting him, and you're like, hey, Jesus, hey, I could have found a shortcut. I could have found a shortcut to what I wanted. I could have done things in my own way, but I'm going to do things your way, Lord, and it's not in my timing, and I don't know how it's going to look. I know it's a mystery, but I'm going to trust you, and I just want to share, Caleb, as we trust the Lord and we trust that he loves us, I believe that he will fill you with overflowing wine. And in this picture of the first sign that Jesus performs in the Gospel of John, we find that not only is the wine the best, it's abundant and overflowing. And Jesus has an abundant, rich reality for you. He wants that for you, but we've got to do it his way. And, you know, miracles often start with ordinary obedience. You know, there's that phrase, luck equals preparation plus opportunity, but I don't have this formula. I don't think Christianity is about a formula. But some things I would propose are miracles, what we're looking for in this overflowing life equals obedience plus God. Or a miracle could be desperation plus God. Lord, I need something. Or a miracle could be faith plus God. Lord, I believe and trust that you have saved this for me. 
And I'm praying that we would be filled with an overflowing reality. Let me show you a picture of my prayer for you, that we would have too much overflowing wine, that this would be our reality. Hey, Jesus, is there any chance you could turn just a little bit of that wine back into water, is that last word. Because we would have so much wine in our lives. We'd have so much joy. We'd be like, Jesus, I have too much joy in my life. It's it's just ridiculous. It's not fair. Another picture, maybe this will start to be a reality. Water, Jesus, that text says, Jesus was here. Look at that. Who wants that reality in our lives? Can I get a good amen? (laughs) And the, the band, you guys can come up. But when you have nothing left to give, I want you to to admit that to the Lord. I want you to submit it to the Lord and commit to the maybe ordinary strategy that he gives you. You know, I I was talking with a a person a couple weeks ago, and he said, "I, I gave my life to the Lord. I surrendered my life to the Lord here at Kalos, here at the W. And and he said, is this normal? I just feel like my, my life is filled with more joy. I feel like I have more peace in my circumstances. I feel like there, there is provision and blessing all around me. And I, I said, you know what? Joy is a normal part of the Christian experience. I'm not saying everything is going to be perfect. We'll still face tribulations and hardships and setbacks. The rain falls on all of us. But joy is a part of our Christian inheritance. This was the first sign that Jesus performed to establish his divinity. It wasn't a life or death situation, but Jesus still cared about it. And and this morning, I just want to ask you, where are you? Out of these three, which is the one you need to to do? Do you need to uh, admit to the Lord, confess Jesus? Something's empty inside of me. Are you someone that needs to to submit, saying, Lord, hey, I, I may have started my faith asking you to do something for me, but... Right now, I'm going to say, hey, whatever you want, whatever you say, I'll do it. I submit your way, not my way. God, I'd rather follow you than the other way around. Or are you someone that needs to to commit to the process, the ordinary, to have some staying power and trusting that the Lord will provide, that the Lord has overflowing riches and abundant joy for your marriage, family, purpose, calling, education, for your finances, for your health. Which one is it for you? Do you need to admit, submit, or commit? And sometimes I feel like I'm not going to last, but I always remember that Jesus saves the best for last. Amen? Amen. Amen. I mean, I want to close with this story. You know, when we first moved to Washington, it was pretty, pretty intense. New house, you know, finances, uh, 11-month-old son, Nobody wanted to come to a church. We didn't know where we were starting. Hey, meet people in the park. You want to start a church with me? <laughs> no? What kind of church is it? I don't know. Where are you meeting? I don't know. Okay. And we're like, ah, oh, man. And so I just said, for my birthday, let's go to Shy Shy Beach on the Olympic Peninsula. And uh, it was my birthday morning, and you know, yet we had to hike like a while to get to that beach and like rappel down this cliff. I mean, not like straight up rappelling, but like easy rappelling. But I'm carrying my son and all of my wife's equipment. <laughs> She's like, this is your birthday. <laughs> and so we're hiking through this mud and we're, we're soaked. 
and we're, I'm, I'm, I'm like hoping I don't kill my son as we go down this. And I'm on the beach. We, we came. It was just an amazing time. But then I wake up that morning, and obviously we didn't bring any cold beverages because I wasn't going to carry that. And I, I wake up, and I'm like, Lord, I could just like use a cold beverage on my birthday morning. I know we're in the middle of nowhere. It's taking us like four or five hours to get to this point on the Olympic Peninsula. And I, you guys may not believe me, <laughs> but as I'm praying for like a cold beverage, you can fill in the blank what kind of beverage it is. Uh, <laughs> up upon the shores, brought in by the wave, I find a nice cold can of a cold beverage. <laughs> and I was just praying on my birthday morning. And, I, and I, I picked it up, and I'm like, wow. And I open it, and I drink it. And it was fresh, and it was good. And I'm like, Lord, you heard my small prayer. I'm so glad I trusted you with a thing I thought you may not care about. And that's my challenge for all of us today. The Lord hears your small prayers. He loves you, and you can trust him. So let's, let's admit it. And let's submit to the Lord and commit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Dear Father, thank you so much for this morning. And we do. We pray that your will would be done in our lives. We thank you for the gospel of John and these, these signs that point to the reality of who you are. And Jesus, we like who you are. We love your reality. And I pray that we would admit, submit, and commit. In your own words, tell, tell the Lord which one you're wanting to do this morning. Lord, I admit, or Lord, I submit to your way. Lord, I, I commit. In your own words, why don't you tell Jesus? Amen, amen. Hey, you know, I'm going to transition off the stage, but before I do that, I want to I wanna pray a prayer for those of us who are saying, I, I want Jesus in my life, and I want to be in Jesus' life. I want to surrender. I want to become a follower of Jesus. I've been following my own way. I haven't been a Christian. I, I've been maybe skeptical of religion or faith or Jesus, but I think, I, I think the Lord is calling me. I feel his love. I, I want that relationship. And I'm not going to do anything to embarrass us, but I'd love to lead you in a prayer to surrender to Jesus if that's you. And I, I love that this story started off with uh, people inviting Jesus to their wedding. And the miracle of wine took place because he was first invited to the wedding. And I, I think it's appropriate for all of us to invite Jesus into our whole lives so that we can experience all that he has for us. So if that's you in this place, you're saying, hey, Pastor Pretty Moon, you pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I think he's calling me. I want to surrender. I'm ready. I'd love to pray for you. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads right now. And on the count of three, just lift up your hand so I can see it and then put it down and I'll pray for you. If that's you, raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. And I'd love to pray for you. If you're saying, hey, Pastor Pradeep, and surrendered, I, I want to surrender to Jesus. Would you just lift it up so I can see it? The lights are kind of hard, so please lift it so I can see it. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right, now I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And why don't we pray this all together as a family? The words are going to be on the screens as we pray this. Let's do it all at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. 
I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give the Lord a round of applause? Amen.